12 um, the last couple of weeks. And um, we're going to move on into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And, and I know what I have not done. I have not specifically covered each gift. Let's just, before we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, hold your finger there at 1 Corinthians 12. And, and go with me to Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 6. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing a, right now I'm not doing a message guide. Uh, and, and I'll just be honest with you, one of the reasons we're not, uh, I know a lot of you, I've had several people tell me, man, I really like the message guides. Um, but we have drastically cut our printing cost. This is one reason we're not doing a bulletin every week. And, uh, you know, by the time you print, um, you know, 100, 150 message guides back then when we were doing a Saturday night and a Sunday night, a Sunday morning service, um, you just didn't want to have them wasted. So what we've done uh, is we... We will upload them onto the website, and I realize I don't have all of these uploaded yet, but they'll be uploaded on the website, and you'll be able to access them from the website. You can print them yourself, or you can view them uh, in a PDF format uh, on your computer. And we're just really trying to attempt to be better stewards and, and not have a bunch of extra paper laying around that's Nice to say we do a message guide every week, but if you're not going to utilize it, and some do and some don't, and that's, I'm not, you know, I'm just stating the facts. So, you know, if you say, man, Pastor Jeff, I really, really want a message guide, um, you know, you can let me know that. I, I make one every week. I've got them. I'll get you copies. I'll make you copies if you want them. And so, um, if not, I would really encourage you, bring your Bible, bring a pencil, and bring a paper, bring a, you know, I used to, before I was a pastor, everywhere I'd go, whether it was here at Christ Fellowship and Pastor Bennett was preaching, or if I went anywhere, I'd bring my Bible and I'd bring a notebook. And, and I just, man, I'm a note taker, I like to take notes. And so, um, you know, do that. And if you want a message, God, I'll, I'll make sure you get one every week. Um, so, um, here in Romans chapter 12, Verse 6, and the reason I say that because I'm fixing to give you the spiritual gifts that are listed in Romans, and I haven't specifically talked about the gifts individually. So here in Romans chapter 6, having, chapter 12, verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, so prophecy is a spiritual gift, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, or ministry Ministry is a spiritual gift. Well, let us minister, let us use it, what? Let us use our faith, our gift in, in our ministering. He who teaches, it, that is a spiritual gift. In teaching, what? Let, let us use our gift in proportion to our faith, in teaching, in ministering, in prophecy. Here's, here's another one. Number four is in exhortation or in encouragement. He who exhorts in exhortation. Use your gift in proportion to the faith God's given you for this gift in exhortation, in encouraging people. 
So to be an encourager is a gift. That's a gift. To be a teacher is a gift. Uh, Prophecy is a gift. Teaching or ministering is a gift. He who gives with liberality. That doesn't mean only people who have the gift of giving should give. The tithe belongs to the Lord. We give our tithe back to the Lord. You don't even think about that. Why? Because it belongs to the Lord. If I barred your car, I wouldn't have to pray, God, should I return this car? That, that, you don't even ask that, do you? Why? Because it's not my car. Well, what God gives you is really not yours. It's his. And he, he, it's, you're only given a portion back. But everything belongs to the Lord. But, but there are those who have a gift of giving. That's a supernatural gift. It's a gift of grace. He says this, of giving in liberality. He who leads with diligence. There are some who have the gift to lead, of leadership. He said, lead with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. There are some people that have the gift of mercy. Some don't have that gift. Not that everyone shouldn't extend mercy I mean, God has extended mercy to us, so we should be able to extend mercy. But there are some people that are gifted to extend mercy. Do you know people like that? I know several people like that. They just have the gift of mercy. Jolynn, you have the gift of mercy. I mean, it just, it just comes out of her. She don't even have to try. I mean, mercy just oozes from her. That's a, no, seriously, that's a gift from God. That is a gift from God. And so, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the individual gifts, but you should make note of those. Those are gifts, charisma, that that God has given to the church. You don't decide whether you get to have one of those. God, in His grace, decides that. Amen? But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't operate or those virtues or those characteristics should not be part of all of our lives. But some are gifted to walk in that function, that office, that position, that gifting by the grace of God because God has given them a measure of faith to walk in that gift, to operate in that gift. Amen? All right, now let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's begin in verse 1. And Paul, right here, now concerning spiritual gifts. He just finished talking to them about the Lord's Supper and the disorders there. Now, he's changing the subject and he's going to talk to them about spiritual gifts. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So what we're going to do right now is just we're going to kind of go through the, ver- the first seven verses of this chapter. And, and let, me, let me just, let's just read it together. Let's read the first seven chapters together. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 
There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities or differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And then in the next three verses, Paul lists those nine manifestations of the Spirit, or what we commonly refer to them as, as, as the nine gifts of the Spirit. We often say this, the nine gifts of the Spirit, but, but there are more than just nine gifts of the Spirit. The Scripture lists more than nine. So this is nine manifestations that Paul is speaking of specifically in this chapter But that doesn't mean these are the only nine charisma or gifts that exist. We just saw and just read about some in Romans, and Paul uses the same word for gift there. Those are charisma also, just like these are charisma or gifts. But I want to concentrate today on the first seven verses, more so than just getting to and and, and talking specifically about those nine manifestations. So let's go back, verse 1. Paul tells us something that's really very important for us. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Remember, that word gifts is italicized in your Bible. That means that word is not there in the original language. That word was inserted to help us understand the context because there is no word in English to really help that we can grasp. Now concerning, the, the closest would be this, now concerning spiritualities. Now concerning spirituals. He's not talking about old-timey songs. He's not, I mean, so gifts is inserted there to help us understand what's being communicated here. But he's talking about spiritual things, things of the Holy Spirit. Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. That word ignorant there is a word that, that uh, the root word kind of, it's where we get our word agnostic from. Gnosis is a word, the Greek word that means knowledge. This is kind of a, a play on this. It's, in the Greek, it almost looks like you'd say, oh, is that an agnostic? No. But it's the same principle. One who, do, I don't want you to not know. Concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be not knowing. I don't want you to be indifferent. I don't want you to... Ignore it. I don't want you to say, well, I just don't know about this, so I don't know what I believe about it. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. You know that you were, past tense, you were Gentiles carried away. If they're not Gentiles anymore, what are they? They're children of God. That's right. They're in Christ now. You were Gentiles once carried away by these dumb idols. Now, he's not, that word dumb there doesn't mean they're stupid. It, it's the word dumb in the sense they're mute. They can't speak. So look what he's saying here. I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. In other words, Paul is saying you weren't led by these idols or by these gods you worship because they were dumb. They were mute. They could not speak. You didn't hear them telling you 
to worship them. They weren't speaking to you, and you weren't speaking as a result of what they told you because they're dumb. They can't talk. They're mute. They're inanimate. They're not real. However you were led, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So the idols you once worshipped were dumb. They did not speak, nor did you speak by them. But he contrasts these dumb idols with what? With the Holy Spirit. Unlike your dumb idols that you used to worship who could not speak and you did not speak by them, you, have now, you, you are now in Christ and you have the Holy Spirit. Unlike those dumb idols, He speaks. The Spirit of God speaks and you speak by Him in declaring the Lordship of Jesus. No one can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And no one can call Jesus accursed and claim that they have the Spirit of God because that's not what the Spirit of God declares. The Spirit of God declares the Lordship. So you were led to these, but that's not who you are anymore. I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus cursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, He is speaking. He is active. He is operating. He is working. What you worshiped before wasn't, isn't, and never will. And so it, it almost seems like you, you wonder why would Paul put those two verses in there, but, but we need to kind of understand who he's talking to and where they're coming from. And He's talking to them about the Holy Spirit here. And, and he's saying, look, if you guys are in Christ, if you really have the Holy Spirit, then what you say matters because the Spirit's only going to say certain things. And, and there are certain things he's not going to say. And these other things that you worship, they were dumb. They couldn't speak. And you didn't speak by them. But now when you say that you are Christ, when you call Jesus Lord, you're not speaking that in and of yourself. That is the Holy Spirit that is making that declaration. Because you can't say that apart from Him. And then he goes on and he says this, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences. This word is the same. In, in, in my New King James, it's translated diversities, but it's the same word. There are differences or there are diversities of ministries. This word ministry is where we get our word deacon from. It's a, it's a, it's a servant. And so he's talking about there are difference or there are diversities of service or ministries, but the same what? The same Lord. And there are diversities of activities. This word activity is kind of an interesting word. It's a Greek word from which we get our word energy from. There are diversities of, we could just say it like this, energies. I'm not being new age on you. Uh, it, it, what Paul is saying, the activities 
the activities and the operation of the Spirit come from the divine energy of God. This is important because what he is talking to them about, he is letting them know these things are not of you. They're not from you. You're not the one working them and operating them. It is the activity. It is the operation. It is the divine energy, the power of God that is causing these things to work and operate in you. That doesn't mean you become some disengaged, disconnected thing and you're not conscious of what's going on. That's not what that means. But it does mean, as, as these things operate through your life, understand it's not your power, it's not your will, it is the Spirit of God. So he says there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. Different ministries, but the same Lord. Different activities, but the same God who works all in all. It is the same triune God, and each one of those, Spirit, Lord, and God, speak of, of, of the, the Spirit, the Son, and the Father. And in this triune God, it is the same triune God who works all. All the diversities of gifts, all the diversities of ministries, all the diversities of activities, it is the same God who works all in all. So he's in all, what is the all? It is the same God who works all these diverse things, gifts, activities, and ministries in all. In all what? In all who? In all the body. In all the individual members. In all of you. It is the same God working in all of you. Working all of these different things in all of you. It is God who is doing that, is what Paul is declaring here. But the manifestation or the clearly seen operation of the Spirit is given to each one, why? For the profit of all. The manifestation of the Spirit. So this word manifestation speaks of something that is seen, clearly seen. So... If the Spirit of God is in me, there should be a manifestation of that reality through me. Now, before I go any farther, we're talking about gifts today, but I want you to understand gifts are not the chief thing that God is interested in. How do we know that? Because Paul makes this really clear in 1 Corinthians. If you go on and read all of chapter 12 and 13 and 14, you'll understand that Paul is, is dealing with disorder in the church as a result of giftings. And he's saying the problem that you have is there is no fruit. You've got lots of gifts that are operating improperly with the wrong motivation. And the reason that is is because there is no fruit. The fruit of the Spirit should govern the gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to say that again. The fruit of the Spirit should govern the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. So my motive, as the gifts are operating through me, my motivation should be found in the fruit of the Spirit. The first and the chief fruit being what? Love. And this is Paul's whole point in 1 Corinthians 14. 
or 1 Corinthians 13. Let me show you a better way. If you don't have love, you can have all of these things, but you don't have anything, and it will profit you nothing. So the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So why has God given spiritual gifts? Why has God given charisma to the church? So that I can profit? So that I can say, look at my gift? See, that's what the Corinthians were doing. Now, he says, God has given the manifestation to each one of you for the profit of all. Your gift that's been given to you by the grace of God, in the measure of faith that God has given to you that accompanies that gift, he said, God gave that to you individually so that the body as a whole will profit. That's a very important point that we need to to remember and we need to keep in mind as members of the body of Christ, understanding that to each one of us, whether you real, I'm going to tell you right now, whether you realize it or not, God has given you spiritual giftings. The question is, do you, do you know it or not? Do you, do you acknowledge it? Or maybe you're discontent with whatever gift you have and you're wishing God would give you another one. So what's Paul's response to that? Hey, why is the year the year? Because that's what God made it. So let's be content with what God made us to be. Let's be content in our function and our place. And if God chooses to do something different, then God in his grace will do that. But it's not your place to determine that. So let's go on. So let's, let's read now chapter uh, 12. Let's go into verse 8. And let's just list and we'll look at these nine gifts. So, verse 7, but the manifestation or the clearly seen operation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. Do you see the point Paul is making here? Do you see how methodical Paul is? Don't you think that got kind of tedious? He could have really shortened that up a whole lot. I mean, he could have just said, now the manifestations of the Spirit are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, uh, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, and interpretations of tongues. That, that's the list right there. Go for it, guys. That's not what he did, is it? That would have been a lot quicker and a lot more succinct. He would have used a lot less parchment than he did. But, but he was very meticulous in the way he wrote that out. Why? Because the Spirit of God was very meticulous in the way he, the Spirit of God wanted it communicated to us. Because Paul's point here is... To one is given the word of wisdom, to another is given the word of knowledge. And to another, and to another, and to another. And you'll notice that as Paul goes through this, it is no accident in verse 12, for as the body, he goes right into talking about a physical body. He says, if we were all an ear, 
we wouldn't have a body, would we? And it wouldn't function very good. So he's making a point here that God has given these gifts to the body, and he has giving, given them to individuals, but he gives them and he distributes them as he chooses. Verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things. What things? All of these manifestations that I just listed, it is the same Spirit that works all of these things in different members of the body. Distributing to each one individually as he wills. So, what does the scripture reveal about spiritual gifts? Let's just, over, as since we've talked about this over the last uh, two or three weeks, what have we learned about what the scripture declares concerning spiritual gifts? What does Romans 12, 6 declare? That we should know, because remember Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be not knowing Concerning spiritual gifts. So what does Romans 12, 6 declare? Having then gifts differing according to what? The grace of God. Having then charisma differing according to the charis of God. We can't get away from this link. Gifts and grace, are they are linked together. And Paul says... There are different gifts according to the grace that is given to us. So the gifts are freely given according to what? My qualifications? How much money I give to the church each week? If the name tag bishop looks really good on me? If I have the right haircut? If I wear the right suit? If I have a big enough following, I mean, what determines my gift? God's grace. God's grace. God's grace determined according to the grace that is given to us. All right, what else do we know? 1 Corinthians 2, 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to achieve what end? It's given to each for the Profit of all. So spiritual gifts aren't given to individuals so that individuals can become famous and write books or have big ministries. That may happen, but I'm just telling you that's not why. See, if we're not careful, this is exactly why Paul in Romans 12 says, don't think more high-mindedly about yourself than you should, but be sober-minded because God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So he's saying, you didn't do that. That's, that's God that did that. And what does Peter say? That if we humble ourselves before God, what will God do? God will lift us up. So it's important. The manifestation of the Spirit is given all to profit is given to profit all. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. To each for the profit of all. Here's another thing we know from 1 Corinthians 12, 11. The gifts. Look, let's look at verse 11. 
This is really important. But one in the same Spirit works all these things. Who works all these things? How do the gifts work? They work by the Spirit. One in the same Spirit distributes to each. Who distributes the gifts? The pastor, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist. The Holy Spirit distributes the gifts. He distributes to each one individually. There really are people who, individuals who have these gifts. There are individuals who have these gifts and these manifestations. But they have them not for their individual profit, but for the profit of all. So let's look at this. The gifts, their working and their distribution are, are given to each by the Spirit according to whose will? As He wills. They're given as he wills. So this is important. Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 14 tells us to desire spiritual gifts. It's a good thing. Spiritual gifts are a good thing. We should desire. But, but we don't determine. God determines. And if we're trusting the Lord and we understand God's grace and God's infinite wisdom beyond our own, we can desire, but we also will be content as God distributes, as He wills, as God works, as He wills. Amen? Amen. Hebrews 2.4. Go over to Hebrews 2.4 real quick. Hold your place there. And look what the writer of Hebrews declares. God also, Hebrews 2.4, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts or charisma of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. So, here again, Hebrews affirms that these things are according to His own will. And it also tells us that these gifts bear witness of salvation. Look in, in Hebrews chapter 2. Let, let's just look at verse 1. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So what is... And what are the gifts bearing witness to? They are bearing witness to so great a salvation. I want you to, to understand what I'm saying here and what I'm not saying here. The gifts don't bear witness to my salvation personally. So I cannot create a doctrine that says, if I do not speak in tongues, I am not saved. That is a doctrine man has created. That is not a doctrine of the Bible. But... Signs and wonders, various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit have been given to the church by God to bear witness generally of so great a salvation. Those things testify that God so loved the world, He sent His only begotten Son, the Messiah of Israel. And this Messiah fulfilled all that was prophesied of Him. 
And he did what he said he was going to do. He finished that work and he is building his church. And that church is the dwelling place of his spirit, of his presence, of his power. And that power of his manifest presence is declaring and bearing witness, testifying to the salvation that God has brought in his son, Jesus Christ. It's not my personal salvation. My salvation is determined on whether I have trusted in Christ. And if I have trusted in Christ, I am saved. I'm not saved because I manifest a gift of the Spirit. I'm saved because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of me. But the gifts of the Spirit that God in His will and according to His grace chooses to manifest through whoever He wants to manifest them through, that reality of the manifestation of the Spirit according to His grace testifies of His salvation. Amen? Do you see the difference? It's a very important distinction. Because if we're not careful, we'll believe a doctrine that the Bible doesn't teach. And you'll believe that if you don't operate in some gift or have some experience, you're not truly saved. And that's not what the Scripture teaches. Your salvation is based on your faith in Jesus Christ. And at the moment you are truly trusting, and from a believing heart you trust in Him, you are born again. You're baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that takes you out of death and puts you into Christ. That's your baptism. And your water baptism testifies of that reality, that the Holy Spirit took you out of sin and placed you into life in Christ. Now you have been anointed by the Father. The Spirit of God is on the inside of you. Part of the Spirit? No, all of the Spirit. And now that Spirit will determine what gifts you operate in. He'll work them. He'll operate them. He'll determine which ones you have and which ones you don't have. It's His grace that determines that. And that reality, that reality of the Spirit and the manifestation through you testifies to the salvation of God. This is what the writer of Hebrews is, is declaring. We go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If we go to the end of the chapter, we see that again, Paul is confirming that not all individuals receive the same gifts. The scripture says that Jesus had the Spirit without measure. And here's what I believe that statement means. That means that Jesus was the one man... The only man who ever was and the only man who ever will have all the gifts of the Spirit, all the offices of the Spirit. He walked in every office, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He had every, there is no man today except the man Christ Jesus who still walks in that, in, in that spirit without measure, who holds and possesses and fulfills all those offices and all those giftings. This is Paul's point. Jesus did, but, but we don't. We have what the Spirit chooses. So this is why Paul goes to this analogy of a body. My hand is part of my body, right? My hand is not less valuable. It's just as valuable as any other part of my body, but it doesn't have the same function as, as the rest. So my hand will always be a hand. Why? Because that's the way God made it. Now, I'm not saying you can't operate in different gifts, but what I'm saying is you're never, my hand's never going to become my head. My hand will never become a foot or a knee or an elbow or a, and, and so there's only one, there's only one man who fulfills all that. It is the man Christ Jesus. 
Amen? The individual members speak of the body. They speak of the man. They speak of Christ. That's why our life should testify and speak of the one who is our head. So not all individuals have the same gifts. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And the implied answer very clearly is no, they don't. Well, why don't they, Pastor Jeff? I don't know. You have to ask the Spirit of God about that because he's the one that determines those things. So what should we know about the gifts? We should know that we're not to be ignorant. We should know that there are diversities of gifts, diversities of ministries, diversities of activities, not just the nine listed here, but they're in Romans. They're in Ephesians. Peter mentions them in general. We should know that the manifestation of the Spirit The gifts, the ministries, the activities, they are given to each one for the profit of all. We should know that gifts are given by God according to grace, not according to what we earn. Gifts are to be used in proportion to the measure of faith that God has dealt to each one. You should know that. That's why you shouldn't beat yourself up because you prayed for someone And and your prayer wasn't answered the way you wanted it to be answered. It's like praying for the dead and say, well, I prayed for a dead person, but they weren't raised from the dead. I guess I need more faith. No, God didn't give you the measure of faith to raise the dead. God didn't give you the gift to raise the dead. You can't get enough faith to raise the dead. Only God in his grace can give you that gift and that measure of faith. Only God can do that. You can read your Bible till you've got every word in it memorized. And I promise you, you're not going to raise the dead till God says you can, you, you're going to do it. That is a gift of grace. That's a charisma of God. That is the gift of the working of miracles. You don't choose that. God chooses that. So don't beat yourself up just because. Does that mean you shouldn't study the Word and you shouldn't grow in the knowledge of Christ? You better. But you can grow in the knowledge of Christ all day long, and that's still not gonna, you're still not going to determine what gift you get to operate in. That's still going to be the Holy Spirit. So gifts are to be used in proportion to the measure of faith that God has dealt to each one. You don't even determine that. God has dealt you that. It's like playing poker. You get the hand that the dealer deals to you. When you get the hand, you say, man, I was hoping for a full house. Can you give me some more cards? <laughs> Sorry. The difference is God knows what he's dealing out. And he gave you what he chose to deal to you. That's what Paul says in Romans 12. But, but here's where we've got to understand what that measure of faith is speaking of. That doesn't mean we can't ever have more faith. That's not what that's saying. He is specifically talking about gifts there. So God has given me a measure of faith to operate in my gifting. And if I operate in a greater capacity in my gifting, that's going to be because God gives me the grace to do that. I should have a desire to do that. But even in my greatest desire, I'm not going to be the one that's ultimately going to determine that. God is. I would venture to say if you're a bad steward of the gift that God's given you and just take it for granted, probably God, uh, in his wisdom and in his sovereignty, he may not uh, use you. You know, it's not something you turn on and off. So, it's ultimately the grace of God. So, gifts are working by what? By the Holy Spirit. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. Gifts are distributed by who? By the Holy Spirit. Gifts are given to each one individually. That's true. But gifts are given to each one individually for the profit of all. And those gifts are given to bear witness of salvation generally. That God truly is who He has declared Himself to be. And gifts are as He wills, according to His own will. So these are things that we should know about the spiritual gifts. So who is the giver of the gifts? See, we're all focused on the gifts. But I think we should be more focused on the one giving the gifts. God, it's not like a pinata. It's not like a heavenly pinata. Somebody busted it open and gifts have gone everywhere and there's a mad scramble to see who can get the most gifts. You ever been to a birthday party with a pinata? Bunch of kids waiting for that candy to come out. I mean, one of those kids just busts the head right off that thing and candy flies everywhere and there is the mad scramble for the candy. That's not what God has done. God didn't just throw down a bunch of gifts from heaven and say, now you, go, you guys go and fight it out and get as much as you can. No, that's not it. That's kind, of, that's kind of the image I get sometimes. No, God is the giver of the gifts. So remember the word gift is charisma here. This is the word we're talking to and that it's linked to grace. And grace is not what we do, but grace is what God does. We're saved by grace. We didn't save ourselves. God saved us. And so if God is the one giving the gifts, then God is the one who determines what? Well, He determines the who. He determines the what. He determines the when. He determines the how of their working, of their distribution, of their operation. God is the one who determines that. We must trust that God, as the giver of gifts, knows what he is doing. Have you ever just, in your mind, because you didn't want anyone to hear you, have you ever just asked God this question, God, what in the world are you doing? As if he doesn't know what he's doing? I have. I'll be honest with you. I have a bunch of times. And we can ask God that, but that doesn't change the fact that God knows exactly what he's doing. God knows who you are. He knows who he made you to be. He knows the gift he's given you. He knows the function and the office he's placed you in. He knows what gift you're going to have tomorrow. He knows what function and office you're going to have next month, next year, next decade. He knows all that. question is, do you know that he knows and do you trust, do you trust him as the giver of gifts? So the question inevitably comes, well, what's my part? What part do I play? Well, here's what I believe our part is, in, at least in part. This is not an exhaustive list, but it's what came to my mind that I think is important for us to, to, to know and to grasp. We need to know that our first responsibility is to trust Him. What's your part? No that your first responsibility is to trust Him. Know that to trust Him is to yield and abide in Him. If I trust Him, I will yield to Him. If I trust Him, I don't have a problem surrendering or submitting to Him. If I trust Him, I can in peace abide in Him. The struggle is gone. There should be no struggle, though I know there is.
But God wants us to come to a place of rest where we're abiding in Him and we're trusting Him. We should know that we are a vessel that God has chosen to use. You should know you're a vessel. And that in the grace of God, He has chosen to use you. He has chosen to gift you and He will operate through you according to His grace and according to His will. But we need to know that we're vessels chosen by God. We need to know that it is according to grace and it is only as He wills. The question is, do we trust His will? And do we recognize His grace? We need to know that that we are to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Him. This is what Paul says, I pray that you would grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to know that we are to grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of Christ as the Spirit reveals the living Word to us. Now, how am I going to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ, who is the living Word, if I never spend any time in this Word right here? How am I going to do that? I'll tell you, it's not going to happen. You'll never grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ if you do not spend time in His Word. It's not going to happen. You can want it all you want. You can watch all the Christian television you want, listen to all the Christian radio you want, but until you come to a place where you are willing one-on-one with God to get into His Word and allow His Word to reveal that life to you, your growth in the grace and the knowledge of Him is going to be stunted at best. We need to know that as you grow in the grace and the knowledge of Him, that you grow in your ability to trust Him. Say, how can I trust God more? Get to know Him. Know Him more. As you grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ, you will grow in your ability to trust Him and to abide in Him, in His rest. Because you will come to know His nature and His character and His complete love for you. And you can't come to know that apart from growing in the knowledge of Him. And we need to know that your part includes our part. I want you to picture the word your. Everybody wants to know, Pastor, I want to know what what my gifting is. What's your gifting? Well, whatever God does in your life, God is doing in our life. This speaks of the reality of the body. We are not islands unto ourselves. We are not individuals outliving our own lives. And what we do doesn't matter to everybody else. No, what we do matters. If we are part of the body, what we do matters to the body. If you don't believe that's true, go home and take a hammer and whack your thumb as hard as you can. And don't tell me that it's only going to affect your thumb. No, it's going to affect your entire being. You know why? Because I've done it before. Not on purpose. When I was in San Antonio, my loving daughter just kicked me right in the... bit a big old chunk out of my tongue. Can you believe she did that to her father? I forgave her, though. Now, you tell me 
that chunk that, that was hanging in my, off my tongue right there, say, oh, it just affected that little part of my tongue. Now, I'm telling you what, it affected everything. It affected my ability to talk. It affected mostly my ability to eat and enjoy my food. <laughs> but we had fun doing it, so it was okay. And the mouth heals really quick. It didn't last long. Just pack salt on that thing, you know, and it healed real quick. No, but here's my point. What you do, what your part is, includes what our part is. Your gifting affects our gifting. Your operating in the gifts affects our operation. Your place in the body affects our place and our function in the body. Because God has saved us and, and, and made us a part of Him, a part of the body of Christ, and He has linked us. This is why Paul makes this statement that you are members of one another. That's something that we need to understand. God didn't give you some gift so you can just take off and hit the road and have gift will travel. And I'm going to have a world famous ministry one day and I'm going to go save the world. Well, that's fine. You go do that. But more importantly is we need to understand that, that God has done what he's done in us because he has made us members of one another. And everything you do right here in Taylor, Texas, right here in Christ Fellowship Church, it really has an impact on all of us. The way you do or the way you do not function in your gifting has an impact on all of us. The way you love or the way you don't love, the way you forgive or the way you don't forgive, the way you interact or don't interact, it has an impact on all of us. And I'm not saying that to put pressure on you or to make you feel guilty. I'm just, I'm just saying it's a fact. And in saying that, here's the thing. You need to realize God made you to be who you are. That doesn't mean you have to be who you think somebody wants you to be. Just be who you are. Recognize who God made you to be and, and understand that you are part of the body of Christ. And as we behold in the mirror that very same image of Christ in me, the hope of glory, that's the image I'm being transformed into. And so I can operate in my uniqueness. I can have my unique place, my unique purpose, my unique gifting. I can be myself as the way God made me, but I can also be a reflection and a manifestation of the love of Christ. Just like my hand is unique, but it is a very vital part of the body. And it enables the body to express itself and to operate and to function the way God designed. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's all stand. Now, there is no formula that's going to help you. Here's what people ask me. Well, I want to know what my gift is, Pastor Jim.